Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Chris. Now, before I start this episode, I want to give a special shout out to the Liberty High School Redhawks in in uh, Frisco, Texas. Right now, they are playing in the high school uh, playoffs. Right now, I I know last week they won area. They became area champs after winning a buzzer beater to win it all. And the only reason why I bring that up is because that is my stepdad's school. That's where he coaches right now. He's he's coaching basketball. And good luck to them. I'm wearing my Red Hawks shirt for today. If any of you are listening on the uh, listening on Spotify or Amazon Music, I am wearing a Liberty High School Red Hawks shirt. And for those watching it on YouTube, y'all clearly you guys can see it. But I want to give you guys a good luck and good luck to tonight's game. As of right now, during this recording, they are playing right now so good luck to you guys and hopefully you guys can get far in the playoffs but now let's get started so a lot of the interesting things have happened in the past week since the last episode and now we're getting into the good and the sweet stuff of off-season drama so let's get started first topic of the day releases there have been two official releases so first off carson wentz has been released Yes, Carson Wentz has been released by the Washington Commanders. I'm not really surprised, to be honest with you. I'm not surprised that Carson Wentz got released just because I kind of saw this coming. I didn't really expect Carson Wentz to really, like, I guess kind of have that revival uh, career like he did in 2017. I just didn't. You know, he's not the same player that he was in 2017 uh, prior to his uh, injury. And he hasn't been the same since, so I'm not really surprised. I mean, he also got benched for Taylor Heineke halfway th- uh, when he got hurt. He got, you know, obviously he had, to, he had to sit out. But when he came back and he was fully healthy, he still didn't play. He was benched. Now, to kind of give you guys some stats here. So this season for 2022, he passed for 1,755 yards, which is 32nd in the league. He, was, he only threw 11 touchdowns, which is 29th. To only nine interceptions, which is 16th, but then again, he didn't play that much. And he had a QBR of 32.9. That is not, that's not good, especially if you are a starting quarterback, especially if you're a first round pick. So, as kind of I heard about this story, I was, like I said, I wasn't shocked. I was kind of more like that, I'm, that kind of took a while. I thought they were going to release him right at the end of the season, especially since they didn't make the playoffs. I thought that was the, like, we're going to cut ties now. So I, w- I was more surprised, really, that they were holding on to Carson Wentz. They weren't really, like, trying, you know, to, like, I guess to try to make it work or figure something out. But the commanders just ultimately gave up on him and said, you know what? Thank you for your services, and we hope for you for the best. Now, what is, where does Carson Wentz go from here? If he wants to stay in the NFL, I think that he should be a backup quarterback because I really don't see a lot of more teams giving him a chance. I mean, Indianapolis gave him a shot, and he did not do well there. The Commanders gave him a shot. He didn't do well there. So it's kind of like we're seeing this pattern starting to form. And also, another issue that has kind of been brought up after uh, his release, not even after his release when he was there with the Eagles after he got benched for Jalen Hurts, there was, you know, uh, there was like that uncomfortable feeling, you know, the, you know, kind of that unease that he got benched for Jalen Hurts, a second round pick that, you know, after giving Carson Wentz all that money, Philadelphia did, 
and they just brought in a new quarterback. So, and then obviously it was a lot of tension there. So I'm not really surprised that, you know, maybe if that was another reason, you know, after he got benched for Taylor Heineke, he just didn't take it well. And then at the end of the season, he didn't play in the final game. Sam Howell did. I mean, at that point, they didn't even, the commanders didn't even, weren't going to make the playoffs either way. So it didn't even matter if they, you know, if Carson played or not, but you know, Car but Carson Wentz came, you know, exactly what a lot of us kind of expected when he went to the Commanders. I didn't really see him doing any better than he... Well, he did a lot better than I would say when he was with the Colts. Actually, no, scratch that. He he did better with the Colts. That's very ironic. Kind of looking at here, the eight games he played, he has a record of two and six when he was with the Commanders. So that that's just not... That's a way to not stay in the league. And I think that if he wants to continue his NFL career... He probably would have to be a backup. I don't know to who. You know, maybe if he wants to go to another, t you know, another team that has a high caliber talent quarterback and wants to learn behind him, maybe, or, you know, kind of be that veteran backup that's going to help the team in case anything happens. I mean, you never know with these things, to be honest. You know, injuries could unfold and you may have to be the next man up. So I think that Carson Wentz should take that deal just because if he wants to stay relevant or wants to stay in the NFL, that's going to be the way to do it. That's going to be the way to kind of, you know, make sure your career is still going, you know, without having to drop out of the league and hope, you know, possibly never getting a starting job again, especially with the draft coming up. And there's a lot of high talent going into the, uh, you know, in this year's draft class for quarterbacks. So, but on the other hand, there are QB needy quarter, uh, QB needy teams. So you never know, you know, if they bring in a young quarterback, but they're still not sure if maybe that young quarterback that they drafted is going to be a first year starter. Then I would go get Carson Wentz and kind of, you know, at least see what you got with him veteran-wise and then get the young quarterback kind of ready to go. I don't know if he will accept that, though, because, you know, exactly what happened with Jalen Hurts. He wasn't really open-minded to Jalen Hurts participating on the team. So, you know, there was a lot of turmoil with that. So, in the end, I'm Carson Wentz, if you want to keep your relevancy in the NFL, I would possibly consider taking a backup job just because I don't know if you'll ever start again. Two different teams have given you a shot, and you didn't produce for either or. So that, that is maybe the end of Carson Wentz. I really don't think so, like I said, unless he takes a backup job. And we'll have to go from there. The next person that got released, and I believe it was today. That's right. As of this recording, he did get released today. Marcus Mariota got released by the Atlanta Falcons. What? Now, this one, I'm a little bit more... This one I'm a little. This one I was a little bit more shocked because I believe he signed a two-year contract. So I thought they would actually try to keep him, you know, just in case, you know, for next season if they want to start Desmond Ritter and go with him. At least they have Marcus Mariota as a backup. That way they're not dead in the water. You know what I mean? So that way, like, in case something happens to Desmond or he's not as good as they thought they were, he was gonna be. At least they have that backup contingency plan in case anything goes wrong. But they don't anymore. They got, they released, they cut ties. I believe they saved about $12 million in salary cap space for Marcus Mariota being released. So clearly the Atlanta Falcons are trying to bring in somebody. I'm just not sure who it is. It could be Lamar Jackson, maybe Derek Carr. We, I don't know. But to kind of go over some of the stats for Marcus Mariota, as a starter, he was 5-8, and eight, so better than Carson Wentz. He passed for 2,219 yards, 15 touchdowns to only 9 interceptions. But he didn't play a lot. Uh, I believe he got injured a couple times and he got benched for Desmond Ritter towards the end of the season. So it's just kind of, you know, the Marcus Mariota revival probably wasn't going to work out 
in Atlanta. And the, the worst part of it was for the Atlanta Falcons is that they could have won the division. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were not playing at a high level like they usually do. So they had a shot. I believe like towards the end, you know, they, they, they were able to catch the Buccaneers. The Panthers were able to, and even the Saints were not out of it yet. So we saw that they had a chance. I just think that they were kind of a quarterback and maybe some talent shy of making the playoffs or at least winning the division because that division was completely winnable for the Atlanta Falcons. So I think that, you know, Marcus Mariota was not able to get it done or at least get into the playoffs was definitely the telltale sign for the Falcons to just cut their losses and see what they have in Desmond Ritter. But that is my kind of my concern, you know, going with the Atlanta Falcons is that if they're cutting Marcus Mariota and they're not going to keep it, uh, he's not going to be their contingency plan. I'm kind of curious who they're thinking about bringing in because the only ones available is going to be either the draft uh, with these young quarterbacks coming in or they're going to have to give up their weight in gold to go get someone, which obviously Derek Carr is available right now. He got he got released. Lamar Jackson still hasn't gotten a contract from the Baltimore Ravens, so we're not even sure what's going to happen with him. So unless Atlanta is thinking about trying to get Lamar Jackson, which is not out of the question. I think they would have to give up their weight in gold. That's the only way I can really see them making it work. Or, see, you know, getting rid of Marcus Mariota but keeping Desmond Ritter. Unless they really want to try Desmond, uh, Desmond Ritter for the season. That's also an option if they want to see what they have more in their young quarterback that they drafted. And that's who they were molding to get ready. Then it's not... I don't hate it. I'm not against the idea. I mean, obviously he had a little bit of a small sample size. He wasn't the best, but he wasn't you know, the absolute worst. So Desmond, I mean, Desmond Ritter's not a bad choice. I think he just needs time to develop and he might need like maybe one or two more years left to sit behind someone that's, you know, high caliber talent. But that's exactly why they picked him. That's exactly why the Atlanta Falcons went and got Desmond Ritter is to, you know, hopefully have their quarterback for the future. So now with Marcus Mariota gone, I they may give him a little bit more of the reins. Unless they do bring in someone from the draft, unless they just completely 180 the whole situation, they do not believe in Desmond Ritter, or he doesn't seem like he's the answer, and they just start over again, that, I mean, that would be kind of a shock to me, just because, you know, I would give it maybe one more year with Desmond Ritter to see if it works, you know, and maybe try to get him some talent or some weapons around him, just to kind of see what you're going to get from him. But other than that, I mean, I don't really don't know what Atlanta's plan is. And kind of the same thing with the Commanders. That's kind of what I'm curious about because after releasing Carson Wentz, I believe they now have they've freed up about twenty six point seventeen million dollars in Carson Wentz's release, so they have money now. And I know like they're one of the teams that are probably going to try to go get Derek Carr because I don't think they have enough enough like draft capital or anything like that to try to get high in the first round. And I mean Taylor Heineke's made it work. So I really don't think they need to start over necessarily. They have great talent around the offense like Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel. I mean, you guys get what I mean. And they have a great front seven of a defense. So they have the talent there. They just need the right quarterback. It's kind of like the situation with the New York Jets, which we'll talk about them in a minute. And they're just a quarterback shy. So, I mean, they may just go try to get Derek Carr. You know, they're already, you know, just to get a veteran quarterback to come in and they have hired Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. So that's another thing to get excited about for the Commanders is to kind of look at Eric Bieniemy coming in to try to save the day and you know hopefully Ron Rivera's career 
uh, head coaching job gets saved. Jack DeReal runs a great uh, defense for the Commanders. So there isn't, I guess, a really a lot of problems with the Commanders. Aside of management, their their whole office office situation is atrocious. But looking at the team directly, I mean, they're not they're not a bad stop for Derek Carr. So especially if they got rid of Carson Wentz to free up that cap space to possibly sign a veteran quarterback, I'm not against it. I'm not against Derek Carr possibly going. The only thing I really have a problem with is he'd be going up against the Cowboys twice a year. But we'll deal with that situation if we cross that bridge. Alrighty, so next up. Hey everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, One Guy from Italy on University. One Guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally, I go order. The house calzone is my favorite. And also, they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. Next up, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from the darkness. And, I, I mean, he... I'm, I'm not sure what he's really doing. He still hasn't made a decision. This whole, I'm going to go take the retreat and go from there. And then, you know... I'm going to make my decision. There is still no decision. I believe it's, about, it's been about a few days since he's exited out of his darkness retreat or whatever he called it or whatever the reason was for him going into complete darkness for X amount of time. And I'll, more indicators are hinting that he's going to go to get traded to the Jets just because the Green Bay Packers are kind of tired of Aaron Rodgers. And I've been saying it for the past few episodes in the podcast is that, you know, the Green Bay is getting sick of it. You know, I would get sick of it if Aaron Rodgers was just, oh, I'm going to debate on, you know, retiring. And, you know, they, he wants to be felt like he's needed and they don't want to play hard to get. And Green Bay is just sick of it. And they're trying to figure something out. Then the only team that really seems interested in Aaron Rodgers, I believe the Raiders said that he's off the table, which I don't know why the Raiders gave up on that, is going to be the Jets. And the only thing, the only issue I have is really what may happen in the locker room. I believe it was a former, or it is a Hall of Famer. He used to play for the Jets. I'm blanking on his name. But he said that if Aaron Rodgers comes, he's going to ruin the locker room. And I, I honestly agree. I honestly don't, I honestly agree with what he said. I don't hate that he said that. Because if we've seen Aaron Rodgers as a person, actually scratch that. We'll talk about him as a player. As a player, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. Talent-wise, one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play on the football field. You know, he's really intelligent. He's made it work in Green Bay for such a long time. So talent-wise, it's not a bad idea to go get Aaron Rodgers. Multiple MVPs. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He, You know, he's won a Super Bowl. So it's not out of the question, you know, to get Aaron Rodgers talent-wise. But if you're worried about the culture of the locker room or anything like that personnel-wise... I can understand where that's an issue. I really can because you don't want that kind of toxic character coming into a locker room where you guys are finally getting it together. The Jets are figuring it out like before our eyes. Sauce Gardner, uh, defensive rookie of the year, all pro corner. He's going to be probably one of the best corners in the league pretty soon. Garrett Wilson, rookie of the year, had a phenomenal season. Uh, Quinn Williams, young, young defensive tackle, great. You know, he's probably one of the top 10 defensive tackles in the league. T.J. Mosley, they have a complete team. Uh, I believe Damian Pierce is his name, or Pierce Hall. Oh, no, Damian Pierce, sorry. Uh, Pierce, sorry. So the running back that they have was running away with Rookie of the Year 
up until he got hurt. Once he got hurt, I mean, then Garrett, it was Garrett Wilson's for the win. So that team is complete. They were just missing a quarterback. That's all they're missing. They don't believe in Zach Wilson anymore. Joe Flacco is not the answer. And Mike White keeps getting hurt. So they need that quarterback. So that's why, logically, let's go get Aaron Rodgers. But when the Hall of Famer came out and said that he'll ruin the locker room, I completely agree. He will ruin it. Because you don't want that kind of quarterback that comes in and says, well, I'm going to miss out on OTAs. I'm going to miss out on, you know, off-season practices or workouts. I may not play in the off-season. I may hold out because I don't want to be here. I may retire when I get there. Who We don't know with Aaron Rodgers anymore. And it's getting to that point where, you know, it's affect, you know, it will affect you, especially if the New York Jets trade a lot. I believe the Packers were asking for two first round picks or three first round picks. It was one of the two. They're asking for a lot for Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets are saying, we will give it to you. We just need a quarterback because we have a complete team. And I can't disagree. They do have a complete team. They're literally a quarterback shy from, you know, making noise in their division and possibly in the AFC. But is Aaron Rodgers going to be that person? I'm not sure person-wise. Talent-wise, yeah, he can get he can make it work. You know, he has those young uh young wide receivers, great running uh great running back, uh great young running back, mind you, and a defense that can hold their own. They have a chance to make some noise. But we got to keep in mind that he can ruin the locker room. He's probably one of the biggest divas in the NFL from what we've seen, you know, off-field stuff, calling out young wide receivers, you know, pointing the finger at everyone else. It's never Aaron Rodgers' fault. And that's what you don't want to bring, you know, that kind of energy into a culture that is starting to figure, you know, a, an organization that's figuring it out, an organization that's finally got it together, and they are actually legitimate possible contenders going into the playoffs next season if they can figure out their quarterback situation. And that's really the only thing wrong with the Jets. But bringing in Aaron Rodgers may not be the quarterback that you want. You know, he may be the quarterback you need talent-wise, but he may ruin the locker room. And another thing that's kind of um, important about this is that there's going to be a lot of expectation with Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay already knows what they have with Aaron Rodgers, and he knows he doesn't, you know, there is high expectation, but it's not as high as if he goes to the Jets. And, you know, you know now expectation for the Jets is we got to make the Super Bowl. We got to get far in the playoffs. You know, we got to possibly win the division. And that's the expectation I feel like Rodgers doesn't want because he knows that he can at least do good in the NFC North. He do well enough. He can make the playoffs. He can do all these things in the NFC. But if he knows the minute he moves, there's higher expectations. Here comes the quotes of, you know, I want back-to-back MVPs when everyone thought I was washed or everyone thought I wasn't good anymore. I came back and won two MVPs. Well, now it's time to back it up with a new team. You know, you're out of Green Bay. You finally broke it off with that organization. They've, you know, they let you go. They finally pulled the trigger and traded you. Now, here's your chance to prove that you are all that as you keep making it up to be and all the hype that you put your put but you put about yourself and you know, you express a lot. Especially when he goes on, you know, the Pat McAfee show or, you know, his inner circle or whatever he likes to talk about. You know, he always, you know, brags about himself and now it's time to back it up. If you if you are as good as you say you are, or you you know you know you hype yourself up to be, go you know you haven't you're going to go possibly go to another team who is complete and set. They are ready to go. They just need the right quarterback at the helm. Now it's up to you. So I think that's just going to be way too much for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to know that you know what. Never mind. I had a great career, and we'll call it. And I think that's where we're heading with Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, especially since this whole darkness retreat and, you know, oh, I'll figure it out then or I should have an answer. And we still haven't heard anything. We're still waiting. So now we're all speculating. Where is he going to go from here? And I would say talent wise for the Raiders, I don't really understand why the Raiders kind of took him off. I guess maybe the same thing is that they just don't want, you know, him coming in and disrupting the culture or like whatever they're trying to build, you know, in that locker room, especially if you're Josh McDaniels, who is a younger often you know a younger head coach and Aaron Rodgers is going to come in and try to own the place and that's probably the biggest concern that you know they had and that would be the biggest concern I'd have for the Jets is that he's going to come in and acts like he like he owns the place that's all he's going to try to do he's going to walk around and says I'm Aaron Rodgers that's it and I I really don't think that these players should feel intimidated by Aaron Rodgers because he has not been to the Super Bowl since he won the Super Bowl ever since then never went back so Hopefully, if he does go to the Jets, the Jets really keep their foot down with Aaron and, you know, don't don't let him do these antics to you. Like, don't make him try, you know, don't let him, you know, play this game of, well, you know, oh, I may retire Jets. We didn't have a good year. I think this is my time. Don't don't let him do that. Don't let him do what Green Bay did and let him have all the power because that's exactly what Green Bay did. They let him have all the power and now they're in this predicament, like I've said, you know, for past episodes. He, they gave him power, and now, you know, they created this monster, and they they don't know how to get rid of him. And, you know, they have Jordan Love, the Green Bay Packers do, so they have a contingency plan in place who they've been getting ready for once Aaron Rodgers decides to retire or they trade him or whatever happens with Aaron Rodgers. But now the time might be here. So, you know, Jets, hopefully, you know, you have a good locker room leader that will not let Aaron Rodgers come and take over the take over the organization and hopefully the organization knows that just because he is Aaron Rodgers don't give don't let him don't let him take over just don't all right so next up is not really anything new I guess it's really news so Russell uh there was a story article that got put out that Russell Wilson was trying to get Pete Carroll fired and when his last year in Seattle and Russell Wilson obviously he came to the defense and said that no I'm not I was not trying to get him fired I have a lot of respect for Pete Carroll and, you know, all love. And I don't think that was it. I don't really don't think he was trying to get Pete Carroll fired. Pete Carroll drafted him. Like, where? I don't understand the logic in that. However, I will agree. I don't, I think things took a turn for the worst towards last, the last final season in Seattle. I think that maybe that's when the relationship started getting rocky between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. So that's kind of where the separation kind of began. But I, I don't think Russell Wilson tried to get him fired. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, and I believe that's what a lot of people were saying is that it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch just because, you know, you know what happened and what's going on now with the Broncos. So I guess, like, people are trying to attack Russell Wilson's, like, character, like, his, you know, the person he is outside of the football field. And I don't think you should. I think that this is something that got looked too deep into. I don't think he tr ever tried to get Pete Carroll fired. You know, and obviously, thankfully, they didn't because Pete Carroll got to the playoffs with Geno Smith, or I believe he almost, you know, he, did, he had a good season. Pete Carroll had a great season with the Seattle Seahawks, with Geno Smith, mind you. They had a f fantastic season. So, with Russell Wilson leaving, and he wanted to trade, mind you, I think it was more like their relationship started to, like, get rocky. It was like, you know what, maybe it's better for us to, you know, go our separate ways and depart. I think, really, that's what happened. It wasn't... 
because Russell Wilson wanted him fired. I think it was more of he knew that maybe this isn't going to work anymore and we should just mutually agree to depart and I want to trade. And he wants to leave Seattle. But to go as far as saying he wants to get Pete Carroll fired, I think that's just ridiculous. That's very far, far, far stretch. And I really doubt that's really the story. I think there's more to it. And whoever wrote the article in the story, just a little bit of a stretch. They probably That's probably just how I see it. So I know Russell Wilson came to the defense of himself after that article came out. So, I mean, he was ready to go. I think Russell was waiting for that story to drop because they he reacted immediately once that story hit. So I think he just had that, you know, whole, you know, response and defense ready to go in case it ever came up, which is smart. I will give him that. That is pretty intelligent. So, you know, kudos to you. But in the end... I think Russell Wilson's uh, and Pete Carroll's relationship just kind of ended towards the end of uh, his final tenure there, his final year there, and that's just how the end of that era, you know, kind of finished off. Next up, so an event, not NFL-related, but an event that caught the world on st of storm. It was all over Twitter. Everyone was talking about it. T Jake Paul and Tommy Fury finally boxed after two years of trash-talking after pulling out of fights, they finally faced off in the ring. And the winner by split decision was Tommy Fury. So congratulations, Tommy, on the win. Now, I want—I do want to talk about the fight, though, because I did watch the fight. First of all, a great fight. It went all eight rounds. You know, fantastic fight. However, I do have some things that I had a little bit of more of Jake and Tommy. So I'm going to start with Jake because I have a lot more notes with Jake Paul. Now, do I consider Jake Paul a boxer? He has potential to be a boxer. You know, he's obviously earning his craft. He is working hard. But what I tell him to go up against a professional boxer, you know, probably a little bit above his level or someone that's trained in boxing for longer than five years. No, I don't think so. Because he I don't think he'd be able to, like, keep up with that kind of fighter if that makes sense so let me let me explain so in the fight what i saw was kind of the difference in level so in one part of the fight tommy fury would start walking around the ring you know kind of you know moving keeping movement keeping his uh you know his feet moving not staying in one place because that's the last thing you want to do as a boxer you know you just want to straight straight up you know switch off punches because especially if you're fighting against someone like jake paul who is very reliant on that overwrite hook that he loves, and he would rather just stand in the middle of the ring and you know slug it out with you. You don't want to do that. You want to move. Once Tommy Fury started to move around the ring, what I noticed was Jake Paul was not able to keep up with that. What I saw was Jake Paul did not understand that if if your opponent is moving around like that, you have to cut him off. You just do. So when he walks in the square. If he walks to the right, you cut off his path to the right. If you're, you know, if you're Jake Paul, and same thing if he goes to the left, cut him off. And the reason why is so that way he's not, you know, your opponent's not circling you. And that's just kind of that's kind of boxing basics when you're learning how to fight and when you get in the ring with an opponent. And he's never done that before. This was one of the this is one of the more goofier things I heard in that a whole broadcast and commentary was one of them one of the commentators said that oh Tommy Fury is moving around the ring and we've never seen that before in a Jake Paul fight. Yeah, that that's exactly what you're supposed to do if you're a boxer. That's exactly what you do when you know what you're doing. You're supposed to move. You have to move around. You're not just going to stand there 
in the ring and trade punches with each other. Yeah, that's what you're, you know, that's the whole point to, you know, get the knockdown or get the knockout. But you got to be smart when you're in the ring. You are risking yourself and putting yourself in a lot of danger if you are not careful in the ring. And a lot of experienced boxers know that. A lot of seasoned boxers know that. You cannot ever stop moving when you're in the ring. And it's very, very important. And exactly that's what happened. When Tommy Fury had that game plan of moving around the ring, Jake Paul was not cutting his path off. He wasn't trying to set him up, you know, to walk into the right hook, into the over right hand that he loves to throw. And that's where I saw what the problem was. That's where Tommy was owning Jake Paul because he would miss wildly with punches. He would not connect right when Tommy was moving. Once Tommy stopped doing that plan, that's where kind of like Jake Paul kind of came back into the fight. Now, I'm going to go into the eighth round here because Jake Paul did get the knockdown. He knocked down Tommy Fury. I thought it was a little bit more of a weaker knockdown just because he kind of hit him with the jab and he slipped on his foot. But in a technicality term, that is considered a knockdown because the punch did cause him to, you know, step back and slip. So that is considered a knockdown. And I thought Jake Paul won it. I thought this fight was a whole lot closer than the scorecards get, which I'll tell the scorecards in a minute. I thought this fight was a whole lot closer. If you guys saw me on Twitter, I was tweeting about it. Like, it was a lot of them I had split. a lot. This fight, I really could have saw going either way, especially if it was going to go to the eighth round. Because that's kind of like one of the hardest things to, or not really the hardest, but that's one of the things you never want to do in boxing is to let it go to the judges. Because now it's within the eye of the beholder. What did they see? And that's exactly what happened in this fight. So, with the knockdown, though, that that's bonus points right there. If you're a boxer, if you can get the knockdown at least late in the fight, you, you have a little bit more of a secure spot to win it. And that's it. Now, going to the score, the judges' scorecards. So, Jake Paul got a score of 75-74. Tommy Fury got 76-73. And then Tommy got 76-73 again, so he won by split, split decision. Now, with the split decision thing, this is where I'm saying it could have gone either way. Because I thought the knockdown was going to give him the points. When I, fir when I first heard 75-74 and Jake Paul had it, at that point, I'm thinking that's it. He just won either unanimously or he won the split. But the 76-73 is what I thought was crazy because I didn't think Tommy was that far ahead in the points. I thought maybe if you keep 76, it was like 76, 75, or 74, you know, kind of in that realm. That's where I was thinking where Tommy was at. I didn't think he was up by three by three big points, which in boxing is big. If you're up by three points on somebody, that means you are you know, you did really well at some point in the rounds. So that must have meant that Tommy out dueled Jake in some of the rounds. Because some of the rounds, you know, I believe in round one, I had uh, Tommy Fury. He, he won that one. He won, I believe, round five. And there were some other ones he won. There were some that were split. And there were some that Jake won. And obviously, when he knocked down Tommy Fury in the eighth round, I'm thinking that's it. He just won the fight. But the scorecards were, I thought it was just crazy. I thought it was a lot closer fight. I mean, the judges are probably better better looking at the fight than I am, but I thought it was a lot closer than what the scorecards, you know, said. But either way, Tommy won. But I'm going to get to Tommy really quickly. So to Tommy obviously came from a great lineage. His older brother is the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, who is a world heavyweight champion. I mean, if you've seen how he boxes, that big of a man can move. Tyson Fury has great defense for a guy his size. If any of you have ever even seen his fights, or if you've just seen highlights of him, he can move for a guy his size. He can dodge. So with Tommy, though, he's a little bit more of a you know muscular built. 
He's not as big as the Gypsy King, Tyson, his brother. And I think this kind of helped him with his, not really with his legacy, but to help get his name on the map. You know, especially because he wants to uh, he wants to fight for WBC championships or IBC championships, and he's definitely one of the top or uh, one of the more higher up prospects. I will say though, the only issue is that he did get tired. You can tell between him and Jake that they were winded by round seven, round eight. So I knew at some point that one of them was gonna give. I just didn't know who. Now, if the fight would have been a full twelve rounds, then I think that one of them would have been knocked out for sure. If it wasn't Tommy, it was going to be Jake because they were both wobbling and they were both gassed from what I can saw. The only thing I can really say is that Tommy Fury's face wasn't really as beat up as Jake. I believe Tommy had a cut in, over his, his eyebrow, but Jake's was like he was purple in the face. He was purple everywhere. So you could just tell Tommy has power. But I, I have, you know, Tommy ha might have some great potential. I think he has a little bit more work to do. You know, especially if he's going to fight in the in the little bit of the lighter weight divisions, especially if he's going to have to go up against faster fighters. I think it's going to be definitely, um, you know, maybe lose a little bit more of the muscle. You got to get some speed. So because you're never going to go up against everyone that's like Jake Paul, who's not as fast or a little bit, you know, bigger. So they're not as quick, you know, laterally. So I think if Tommy's going to fight, you know, a little bit in the lower weight divisions, he's going to have to get a little quicker. Just because it's going to help him in the long run. It, it definitely will. Having speed in the boxing ring is going to help you so much. I mean, if you've seen Tyson do it, you know, if you have a little bit of speed in your weight class, you it'll take you a long way. So with that, though, congratulations to Tommy Fury for winning the fight from Jake Paul. This was two years in the making, and it finally happened. I know Jake said he wants to exercise his rematch clause. Tommy says, let's run it back. So... We'll just have to wait and see what happens with there. I think Jake Paul might fight KSI and Nate Diaz. That's what he's been saying, but I don't know. I think if he wants to, if he wants to go, if Jake wants to go on the route of you know being a world heavyweight champion, don't fight Nate Diaz. Don't fight KSI, the YouTuber. Fight a boxer. Get you know harness your skills and sharpen them. The only way you're gonna get better is if you get in the ring with with fighters that get better and better, or at least are on the same level as you, so you can kind of get a better idea. And also, word of advice: don't go fight Canelo. I know Jake Paul was joking. Like, I don't know. If, I really hope he was joking about that, but he was saying he wants to fight Canelo Alvarez. He wants to be the one that defeats him. And I'm thinking, no. If he struggled that much against Tommy, who was not moving fast, mind you, even though he had good movement, Tommy was not fast. He was just circling and pacing around. He gets in the ring with Canelo that, no, he's not going to keep up with his speed because Canelo has power and speed on his side. And especially if he wants to fight him in the kind of cl closer to the lower weight divisions, I believe they fought at 185, Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. I believe Tommy was 184 and Jake was 183 or vice versa. I know they were close to 185 and he wants to fight Canelo at 185. No, uh, you, have a you have a long road ahead of you before you even attempt to fight Canelo Alvarez and just don't don't even put your name in this don't put your name and his name in the set in the same sentence of Jake Paul wants to fight Canelo because after seeing Tommy Fury and his fight with him don't get in the ring with Canelo just don't it, it's gonna be embarrassing and I really don't want that to happen to Jake you know especially if he's really serious like work your way up I don't think he'll ever fight Canelo just because by the time he probably is ready for championships if he gets that far Canelo will be probably retired. He'll be 55 or something, maybe. But it takes a long time to, to harness your skill in boxing. And a lot of like professional boxers know that. That's why a lot of them train for all their lives. So, 
you know, you can't just pick it up um, for about four years and think you can go toe to toe with the best pound per pound fighter in the world. So don't ever try to ever call out Canelo ever again until you kind of harness your skills. So to keep on going. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick pause from the podcast to talk to y'all about Min 10 Collectibles. Min 10 Collectibles is a local Lubbock store that sells all kinds of cool stuff. They sell trading cards, Funko Pops, autographed jerseys, comic books, and more. So if you're in the market to look for any more trading cards or sell possibly trading cards, Funko Pops, anything like that, Min 10 Collectibles got, has you covered. It's actually where I got these Texas Tech Patrick Mahomes trading cards. They're absolutely awesome, and I got them for such a great price. Min 10 Collectibles has these and other hidden gems. Also, the cool thing about Minton Collectibles is that they do not try to overprice their stuff. So, for example, this rookie Justin Herbert card, they're selling it for $80. That is actually how much that card is worth. That's the cool thing about Minton. They don't try to overprice you like people on eBay or, you know, if you go to another store somewhere else, they may have the exact same card, but you may have to break the bank with them. At Minton Collectibles, they sell it to you for exactly what is going for in the market. So if you guys are in the market for trading cards to buy, sell, add, or complete a set, Funko Pops, jerseys that are autographed, comics, and more, make sure you guys check out Minton Collectibles. I will be linking their website in the description on YouTube, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And make sure if you guys are buying or selling anything to Minton Collectibles, you mention the CAV Sports Podcast. Thank you guys so much. And now, back to the episode. To keep on going, the Chicago Bears are possibly going to trade the number one pick. So, some of the teams that have been uh, listed that have interest in the first round pick is the Texans, the Colts, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Common denominator, all QB needy teams. Now, the team I think that's probably going to get the number one pick is going to be the Texans because they have more draft capital to work with, especially with the Deshaun Watson trade. They got a lot from the from the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns look ridiculous at this point with this trade. And I think they have a little bit more room to work with to get the number one overall pick so they can get Bryce Young. And that way they can roll with, you know, they can get the guy they want and, you know, start building around Bryce Young. So what I think about the other teams, I think they may move up to try to get their quarterbacks, but a lot of them already have like early round picks. So it's, you know, they're already in good position. So I really don't see like the Colts. I don't, unless the Colts really want Bryce Young, the Colts are the only other team I can really see try to move up and maybe the Raiders. But other than those three, I really don't see the Falcons trying to move up because I don't think they have enough to really give the Chicago Bears to get the number one pick. And at least for the Texans, they're only number two. So all they would do is switch spots, you know, or my bad, they're number three. The Colts are number two. Um, so, Sorry, something like that. But either way, the Chicago Bears probably like want a lot for the number one pick, especially since they're in the driver's seat. Now, a lot of people have been questioning if they're going to get rid of Justin Fields or not if they trade away the number one pick to a team, if they would want Justin Fields. And I believe they came out and said that they are going to look at their quarterback options and look at the draft board. But their main goal is to make sure, or their main plan is that Justin Fields is going to start at the beginning of the season. And I don't, I don't disagree. I think they have a lot more situ, a lot more things to worry about than quarterback because Justin Fields is the only reason why the Chicago Bears stayed relevant. 
And he was the only positive offense that was going on for the Chicago Bears. Along with, you know, he's very athletic and gifted. They just need talent. They need to rebuild that offensive line to protect Justin Fields. They shouldn't be worrying about possibly getting rid of him because he's not like he's a bad quarterback. He's the he's the only reason why they stayed in games. He was the main reason why their offense was moving. So it's not like he was the problem. It was just the rest of the team was not that great. So if the Chicago Bears really debate on moving on from Justin Fields, I think they're going to look even more ridiculous than probably the Browns just because that's that's just blasphemy. I really don't think they should do that. They should keep Justin Fields at least a little bit longer. Get him some offensive linemen, protect him. Get another get probably get some weapons and start working on your defense again. I believe they're thinking they're thinking about getting Will Anderson, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, who's projected to be the number one pick if it's not a quarterback. So I think the the Bears should go with that instead of trying to get another quarterback because they don't need it. I would get either a position that they need or something that's going to help Justin Fields. And that's what they should be more concerned about, not trying to get another quarterback. They do have power, though. They have all the power. I think this is more of a kind of mind games, messing with the teams, saying, you know, making these statements saying that, well, we'll look at our draft board. But the plan is to get Justin Fields to start this season on, you know, in that stadium and I think it's just mind games. I think that they're trying to see who is gonna who is gonna give up the most to get the number one pick. And with the with the combine happening this week, this is definitely gonna tell who is gonna give up the number one pick. Now, going in, speaking of the combine, the combine is this weekend. So biggest story for the combine is Bryce Young's height. Why does everyone care about his height? I don't. I never understood that. Everyone's concerned if he's not six foot. He's five foot ten, which is a big, big difference in height. And all I have to say is, why does that matter? Bryce Young still threw a lot of touchdowns at Alabama, threw all those yards, rushed a lot of yards, or ran up, ran for a lot of yards. He ran a lot of touchdowns, and he won a Heisman. Even if he's six foot or five ten, he still won the Heisman Trophy. There's, you know, there's quarterbacks that made it work in the NFL that were not very tall. Drew Brees is definitely the first one that comes to mind. Russell Wilson's made it work. Kyler Murray definitely makes it work. And, he, you know, he's like, you could tell he's 5'10", 5'11", but they all made it work. So I don't understand really what's the issue. The only thing I'd really say is if they play in a pro-style offense, he has to be under center and he has to drop back. That may be a problem with height-wise because you got to see over the lineman or you got to read it fast. But, there, I mean... Kyler Murray does it, but they either run the ball or run a lot of play action out of that. You know, get him outside the pocket so he can see the wide receivers. There's a way to make it work. I don't understand why that's really the problem here, or I don't really understand why Bryce Young's height is really the cause of concern about this. Because a lot of people in the, you know, when running their draft boards or whatever they're doing is saying that, well, if he's not tall, he's not going to be the number one pick. I would still take Bryce Young over. The other quarterbacks, I think he's still the top prospect at quarterback, but we're going to have to see in the combine. I believe he's going to be there. CJ Stroud is going to be there. Will Levis, who I'm still very confused. I'm going to watch the combine to see what's the hype about Will Levis. Anthony Richardson, which I know, you know, it's been kind of like debating with him if he's going to go high or not, go higher in the draft or not. So, but this NFL combine is gonna, definitely going to help who's going to, who is going to be the top quarterback drafted, especially since there's been a lot of like, mock drafts by a bunch of different people saying all these quarterbacks are going to be different you know they're going to go in different spots so i believe some people a lot of people have bryce young going number one some people have will levis going number one just because of his arm strength or whatever i believe somebody had anthony richardson going number one 
Um, I think someone said CJ Stroud might go number one. So everything's up in the air, but more than likely, I think that, you know, Bryce Young's going to get number one. Like, no doubt. If it's not Bryce Young and Chicago doesn't trade, it's going to be Will Anderson. So those are going to be the top two picks for sure, hands down. Now, last topic for today. I had, I had, a, I, I hate that this happened. I really do. I posted on Twitter a clip of the last episode about me talking about Daniel Jones not deserving forty million dollars, and I believe it's been told to me that it was that the the agent kind of like exaggerated. He lied about the offer or whatever, but that's not really the problem. I understand that maybe misinformation. The problem I had was that someone mentioned that I was not watching. I didn't see Daniel Jones play. And someone agreed that I did not see Daniel Jones played. So here is me, because apparently I do not watch I did not watch Daniel Jones. Even though I've seen him since 2019 to 2022, I've seen enough of Daniel Jones. So here's here's what I have not seen. Because apparently a lot of people think that he's worth $40 million. And I said that I think Saquon deserves the $40 million. And I still stand behind that statement. Saquon Barkley has earned that money. Because without him, the Giants are not great. And I stand by that. Now, Daniel Jones had a good season this year. Don't I will not knock that off. He had a great year. He had a lot better of a year than other, other seasons he had. He made it to the playoffs. He won a playoff game. He won the wild card. And then he got absolutely destroyed by the Philadelphia Eagles. So, but minding all that, minding all that. Let me tell you about Daniel Jones from what I see in Daniel Jones. And you can tell me if he is worth $40 million. Career-wise, his record is 21-31-1. That's not good coming from a ninth overall pick in the draft. The number nine pick in the draft went, was had that record. In his career, he's thrown for 11,000 yards, 60 touchdowns to 34 interceptions. He, he so that's about like a 50% or a 50-50 thing with his turn with the uh, touchdowns and interceptions, which still isn't good for a ninth round pick, especially there was a lot of talk about him in the draft that year. Now, I want to give some stats with Saquon and without Saquon Barkley. Just so for people that still think I'm crazy and say Daniel Jones should get a, should get some money this year. Now, don't get me wrong, I think he's earned about maybe about a two-year extension to kind of see if this growth will continue. But giving him $40 million, no. And here's why. Here's some stats with Saquon Barkley. In the 36 games that Saquon Barkley played with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones threw for 8,027 yards, 44 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. Not bad. The, intercept, the interception turn and touchdown thing could be low, or the interceptions could be lower. But all right. Without Saquon Barkley, he's thrown less than 5,000 yards than with him. So in total, he's thrown for about 3,526 yards, so close to 5,000. He's thrown 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions in the 18 games without Saquon Barkley. So I've seen Daniel Jones play, and that's exactly what I've seen. I've seen a quarterback that has not been that great without a star, his star running back. Because clearly, in the stats says it, Saquon Barkley there has made Daniel Jones' life easier. And it was evident this season. When he had when he was able to stay healthy all year, the Giants did good. But without him, 
Daniel Jones has not been a great quarterback. He, you saw it. In the 36 games that Saquon was with Daniel Jones, he had over 8,000 passing yards. Without him, only 3,000. He dropped about close to 5,000 yards without Saquon. He's thrown less touchdowns without Saquon Barkley, and he's thrown close, uh, I mean, a little less than 14. Or, uh, he threw less interceptions without Saquon Barkley, but he's not been on the field. He's getting, you know, he's getting the uh, the three and outs and not scoring. So that is where I'm coming from with Daniel Jones not earning forty thousand, forty million dollars a year and trying to, you know, get get the money. Now I'm all for players getting their money and getting their bag, but the problem I have is that you need to earn the money. When you only made the playoffs once in four years, in about four years he's played, only won one playoff game. Sure, I'll give you that. But when you are very reliant on your running back, that's a different story. That is a completely different story. If the stats were about the same or close to the same with Saquon, then I would say, you know what? Franchise tag him, get, you know, work a little deal, get the money bags ready, and see what you can pay him. But that's not obviously what happened. Daniel Jones was not a great quarterback up until this season. This season, he had a way better year than he's had prior. But without Saquon Barkley, he has not been good. And... That's that's where I come from with that with Daniel Jones does not earn forty million dollars. But alrighty, guys, I was gonna wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those good places at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. This will be uploaded on YouTube and Spotify and Amazon Music. But um, but thank you guys so much for joining and have a great rest of your day.